Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Are you going to make me talk about the other thing? I was just trying to really... I know, you were just trying to delay the conversation. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. There are certain topics that make one of us or both of us feel a little bit uncomfortable to talk about. And these seem to be the topics that we get absolutely the most questions about. Like, I wish you could... You should have done video because I'm over here like rubbing my face. I'm like, put it on mute so I could sigh heavily. I'm like, oh, God, we're going to talk about this. Really? Ugh, ugh. Okay. I mean, not Let's only that, I've, I think over the next few weeks, I know we've got some guests coming up eventually and stuff like that, but um, I think we're going to tackle a few of these um, topics that are maybe not the most comfortable for us to talk about, but I also think that these types of topics are sometimes the most helpful to talk about because of the discomfort factor. It means that it's a little bit harder to, to sift through the interwebs to get the right information. So we're going to talk about poop. Um, I feel like there should definitely be a sound for that at this point. I'm sure Matt will be creative. Actually, let me, let me, let me take that back. I'm sure Matt will be, stereotypical in his poops out effects that he's adding in throughout <laughs> the show, which in itself is creative, but there's, there's not only so many ways you can make a sound effect to go along with the word poop. I almost want to challenge Matt to find a sound effect for every time we say poop. And then I'm going to go poop, 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 poop. Don't, okay. Enough is enough. You know, I feel bad for all of those moms who have small boy children because every time we have a poop show, you know that the boys in the back seat are just laughing. Like, I know what it would be like listening to a poop show with my three boys. It just... Um, So I just, for the record, want to say that my six-year-old daughter uh, has the same sense of humor. (laughs) And I I don't know where she got it from. Because that's not jokes that anybody tells in this house. <laughs> and she loves body humor. Um, she also just this week discovered, I think she saw it on like some television show. And I don't even know where she was watching this television show. But the saying not at the end of a sentence. Mm. So she started just saying like random sentences. And it's like completely random. She doesn't actually get right. how to use this properly. Yeah. But she was just like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Not. But meanwhile, she actually means that it sounds like fun. She doesn't get, she just thinks it's a funny joke to say not in a really obnoxious way at the end of a sentence. I think that's definitely a six-year-old thing, like a five to six-year-old thing, because Wesley's doing this, like he's experimenting with grown-up phrases. And you're like, I don't think that means what you think it means, but it's pretty adorable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more like, you know... It sounds rude on somebody who's using it properly, but it sounds like, 
I feel like it sounds even worse on a six-year-old because it just sounds like belligerent. And I'm like, it's like, when did, when was that super popular? Like the 1980s, like late 80s is when that became a thing. I just, I remember. I mean, I did it when I was a kid, so it had to, yeah, it had to be I remember being school-aged and thinking it was the height of humor. But I was older than six. I was. Well, I can just tell you, not aside, poop is the height of humor for my children. So sorry, moms, who we've stirred up your potty humor children. But. Well, really what's happened is we've given all the moms who like to listen to the, our show while they're cooking or, um, you know, uh, carpooling or whatever. We've given them all ample warning that this might be one that they don't want to listen to with, with kids in the car. Although, it, I mean, it's not going to be, it's just about poop. It's not going to be. Let's just, let's just do it. Why don't we do it? So, um, this, this, uh, entire topic is, um, centered around a question from Kathy. So why don't I read her question? And, and then I have a lot, a lot of things to say, like a lot. A lot of things to say. That's cool. I did the last one. You can do this one. <laughs> okay. Um, so Kathy says, I have scleroderma and crossover to lupus with rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's, and Renaud's. It's part of something that runs in my family called Crest Syndrome. I've been paleo for over a year and AIP paleo for seven months. I found cutting out gluten, dairy, eggs, and soy improved joint pain and mood tremendously. My struggle was with BMs. I still kept getting diarrhea occasionally. I think I drove myself crazy obsessing over foods and trying to figure out uh, why some foods were giving me diarrhea. And I knew that obsession was not a good thing. I really despaired, especially as there's so much talk about SIBO online. So many practitioners, those are in quotes, in the paleo world seem to jump to the conclusion right away that it could be SIBO. It felt, I felt very down listening to Rob Wolf's podcast and Chris Kresser when it becomes obvious that curing SIBO is extremely difficult, even for the experts, and often reappears. I had planned to move on to the Perfect Health Diet once I'd reintroduced all my foods and did so in early summer. Lo and behold, as soon as I added some white rice at night, my BMs improved tremendously. Slowly, I tried white potatoes. Again, the results were wonderful, and both added to my sound sleep um, if I had them at supper. I have also recently added gluten-free organic oats and oat flour and find this is absolutely the best for my body out of all three. It isn't a nightshade like potatoes, and the fiber and calcium and magnesium and iron it contains really is amazing on my mood and sleep. I also added unrefined blackstrap molasses, um, and I use it to cook. Thanks for that, Sarah. I have a post on blackstrap molasses. I think that's what she's referring to. Um, my BMs are like something they have never been. Absolutely the perfect specimen on the uh, poop chart 80% of the time now. Yes, I know I sound like a lunatic. As much as I'm like blushing, I'm also smiling and high-fiving you, Kathy. <laughs> like, yeah. We all, uh, want, we all want the perfect spe- specimen. It's true. And uh, I think it's like a hallmark of being paleo is the examining poop, your own poop. Do not take photos of your poop and send it to your friends or to us. Just, we do not want to see your poop. Especially don't post it on social media. No, 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 nobody wants to see your poop. Your poop is for you. I mean, go ahead and take a picture and take it to a doctor for with whom you have a booked appointment to discuss <laughs> poop. Like, don't just take it to your friend who happens to be a doctor or like... But like like, if you like have, your eye doctor friend. You're like, hey, hey. Right? <laughs> 
what's up with this? Have you ever seen this before? That's not. No. But if you have an appointment with a doctor in order to discuss bowel habits slash concerns, that's that's the time where you can take a picture. It should not go on the Internet in any way. Um, all right. I'm going to continue continue reading Kathy's question. Uh, why does adding these starches, particularly the oatmeal, work so well for me? I now eat three times a day. I'm still slim, healthy, swim and walk every day. And my BMs are so lovely, if I do say so myself. I feel great. And I'm so relieved to know that I don't have SIBO and this will not be a lifelong struggle. I do think many people jump on that bandwagon, scaring newbies. And with so many people now interested in paleo and so many people wanting to take money, make money off of paleo. This could be a big problem with unqualified people taking advantage of people like me who are desperate and don't know what to do anymore. Sorry for the soapbox. Uh, Sarah, all your books and your site and podcast have been wonderful, a wonderful solid resource for me from day one, and I appreciate you both. Anyway, why is this working so well for me, and why did just vegetables and meat alone not do the trick? Lack of fiber or food for the microbiome? Appreciate any of your thoughts, and thanks again for all your help. Whew. There's so much in there. I have so much to say. Do it. Okay. So I just want to start with the SIBO diagnosis thing. I mean, I almost feel like it's sort of tangential because I do want to talk about uh, causes of diarrhea and why oats and rice and potatoes would improve diarrhea and sleep. Like I, there's, there's many, many different things in here that I want to touch on. But I do want to talk about SIBO specifically because it's becoming this very commonly self-diagnosed thing based on symptoms. So like um, adrenal fatigue is becoming, right, you do a little survey, check all these boxes, aha, you must have adrenal fatigue, Um, take this supplement. Um, And the way candida has for quite a long time now become this like, it's a buzzword in alternative health circles, and it's very often diagnosed without testing. All three of those things need to be diagnosed with tests. And it's because the details are extremely important and because those symptoms can be caused by multiple um, situations. So, you know, just because you have occasional diarrhea or constipation with acid reflux or bloating after you eat, right? Those are things that people will say, oh, that must be SIBO. There's other things that can cause that. Um, Just like if you're, you know, tired all the time and you have energy dips in the afternoon and uh, your sleep quality is disturbed and you always wake up at three in the morning wide awake, right? That, that yes, adrenals is like a really common situation that can be causing all of that. Um, But there's so many ways your adrenals can be up to shenanigans. You really need to test and you really need to know exactly what's going on. And then you really need to work with a qualified professional to cater your supplements to exactly how your adrenals are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, And candida is a very often um, misdiagnosed. Actually, it's typically more often bacterial. So it's actually more typically um, bacterial overgrowth and not yeast overgrowth. Um, And that, It's a different situation. And even in the context of SIBO, you want to know what bacteria are overgrowing because that influences the treatment. So the current thought from the SIBO experts is that you cannot cure SIBO without treatment um, and that treatment needs to be um, catered for exactly what type of bacteria is overgrowing. and, And, you know, basically that can still involve, it can involve 
non-absorbable antibiotics like rifaximin. Um, and that is certainly, for some type of bacteria, the, the treatment of choice. But it can also, some types of bacteria respond better to botanicals. So there's a whole pile of antimicrobial botanicals that can be used for treating SIBO. Um, but the, the, the new thought from the SIBO experts is that dietary modification, such as GAPS or SCD or low FODMAPs, are symptom management purely, and they do not cure SIBO. So, um, you know, within that, there's certainly a conversation to have about choosing foods to support a healthy gut microbiome. Um, but if we're talking about SIBO, it, I really recommend finding a practitioner if that is something that you are concerned um, is going on. But I also really want to emphasize the importance of testing. Um, testing is just phenomenally important and um and it it influences the course of treatment like you, you can't treat SIBO properly without testing for it properly just like you can't treat adrenal fatigue properly without testing for it properly or candida overgrowth properly without testing for it properly and i think it's it's those, those are three things that are becoming these like catchphrases i guess leaky gut is also becoming a catchphrase within uh our community and the alternative health communities that are tangential to us and um, these are all things that, um, I think really require some, some caution, um, moving forward. So I am right with Kathy in the, um, concern for, um, people being taken advantage of from practitioners who just really aren't qualified to be diagnosing and treating these types of conditions. If you're not getting tested, there's a big problem. If you're diagnosing based on uh, a list of symptoms, that's not cool. Not cool, Robert Frost. Not cool, Robert Frost. On the other to quote hand, Kid President. I just in defense of Chris Cresser and Rob Wolf, who were specifically mentioned in this question, I know for a fact that both of those people encourage their listeners to seek medical attention. Yeah, I think. I think more her her mention of them was not in the they're helping people self-diagnose, but that they're talking about the new um, ideas from the, the SIBO experts that it is very difficult to treat and that it often reappears. And so I think she was more referring to them as like scary but good information. Yeah, I just, yeah. just want to be specific that we both hold them in high regard. <laughs> Uh, Rob Wolf in particular is the first one to tell you he's not a medical professional. Um, and I, and, I do know. And, Chris, and Chris is a, you know, very highly qualified healthcare professional um, who has a functional medicine approach in his practice. So, um, and, and is very, uh, very experienced using complementary techniques for treating situations like this. All right, let's jump into all these other things. All right, let's just talk about diarrhea. I'm quite, um, I'm quite familiar for different purposes than this. Who are, and I'm I'm going to get to that. And I know. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you have a I'm little. All, I'm all about little, sh- little sharing session. I, you know, what do we call? What do we call it? The, because uh, I, I, I don't usually say the word diarrhea. What, oh, what, you normally what, say an everybody out. Everybody moment. out. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should call. That's what we should call the whole title of this episode. Everybody it's like. Out. Everybody out moments. <laughs> okay. Um, I keep interrupting so let's, you. Let's talk a little bit about um, what diarrhea is at sort of a fundamental level and what can cause it. So 
really what it is is gastrointestinal mobility is too high. So things are being moved out of the gastrointestinal tract too fast. Um, that means that uh, the large intestine doesn't have enough time to take all of water out of uh, the contents of the intestine. Um, that means bacteria doesn't have enough time to ferment uh, what's going on. And that means we don't have enough time to digest. And so that is what, you know, it's the motility of the intestines being too fast. And the end result is loose watery stools um, that with potentially very little control over their exit from the body. Um, but then what causes that too high of motility? So um, gastrointestinal motility is actually controlled by a huge range of hormones and uh, neurotransmitters and nervous um, signals. And it's this really complex interplay. There's actually a lot going on. And some of these hormones are um, are affected by diet. So, for example, um, high insulin can cause diarrhea. Um, so it's actually something that can be seen in diabetics. It's called insulin-induced diarrhea. Um, we can see um, uh, in high-fat diets, we can see diarrhea, and that is – I mean, the more fundamental um, part of that is uh, really high levels of cholecystokinin. Um, that's a hormone that controls digestion. And it's part of the feedback to the stomach for gastric emptying. Um, and high levels of cholecystokinin can be related to stimulating motility. Um, serotonin, high levels of serotonin can stimulate motility and um you know, serotonin excess is not that rare of a thing. Um, melatonin and the, the balance between serotonin and melatonin can also have a pretty dramatic effect on motility. Um, histamine, which is related to histamine, um, can have an effect on motility. So there's, there's a, a wide range of hormones and neurotransmitters. Um, uh, Corticotropin releasing factor, so something involved in stress, um, can have a pretty intense effect on motility. So because of this really complex interplay between neurotransmitters and hormones, we can kind of take a step back and go, okay, so there's some dietary factors that we know can affect motility. So um, really high-fat diets and very low-fiber diets have a, a pretty dramatic effect on motility. Um, and we know that a lot of insoluble fiber tends to speed things up and a lot of soluble fiber tends to slow things down. Um, improper digestion, so malabsorption or maldigestive disorders, um, for example, like celiac disease, um, can cause diarrhea. Um, but you can also see that in, for example, gallbladder disease. Um, and you can also see that with um, people who are taking ox bile supplements without a gallbladder who are overdoing their supplements. So you can see that with both too much and too little um, bile from the gallbladder. We see it in stress. We see it in hyperthyroidism, like Graves' disease. Um, we see it in histamine intolerance. We see it in fructose malabsorption, um, uh, also called FODMAP intolerance. 
um, chronic infections can cause um, recurring diarrhea, um, and that can be bacterial, uh, viral, or um, a parasite. Certain drugs can cause um, diarrhea, um, and for example, some people will get diarrhea from caffeine intake. So it can be it can be that kind of a drug, right? It could just be coffee. Um, and uh, we also see it from some um, pathologies like uh, microscopic colitis, that's inflammation of the gut tissues, and major um, issues like cancer. So if anybody listening to this is experiencing um, recurrent, and that doesn't have to mean every single time, but like, boy, this is a problem that I have, you know, at least a few days a week. Um, testing is really important here because I said words like cancer in all of that. I also said words like stress and coffee. So if it's stress and coffee, like there's, there's some nice, easy things that can, you know, help. Um, if we're talking about celiac disease or cancer, um, or, uh, a parasite, that requires a healthcare professional to diagnose. So, um, I do kind of want to emphasize that. You know, there are lots of aspects of diarrhea that can be related to, you know, um, microbiome um, imbalances, which can be SIBO, but it can be other um, other dysbiosis as well. Um, and lots that can be related to things like too much sugar in the diet um, and too high of insulin, or it can be related to too much coffee, related to stress. Um, it can be related to not enough fiber in the diet. So there's a lot of other things that are really sort of easy fixes. Um, but you need to <laughs> rule out the bad stuff. Um, so Stacy, this would be, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about fiber because I really want to talk about Kathy's experience with adding in some, some starchy vegetables. Um, but you have talked on the show before, albeit in euphemism form, about uh, life without a gallbladder. <laughs> um, and I think that sort of of all of those things, gallbladder disease is, is surprisingly common, uh, more common than hyperthyroidism, for example. Um, pop, maybe not as... I mean, SIBO might be more common. There's there's some scary statistics floating around. I don't know how based in actual science they are. Um, but would you like to talk a little bit about gallbladder disease and your everybody out moments? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to keep this as a high level. But I think for people with any sort of digestive disorder, you have to pay attention to how your body is telling you to respond. And to me, it took a longer time than it should have for me to realize that particularly fiber and in general carbohydrates played an important part of digestion for me. And that I think is specifically because my gallbladder is no longer storing bile for me to help break down food fully. And um, that serves two purposes, both for a positive and a negative um, with fiber. The positive is that uh, with um, if I eat an abundance of fat, I need to add 
carbohydrate to the meal because otherwise there's not enough bile to absorb the fat that's being consumed. And then I will have an everybody out moment because it just kind of lubricates the digestive tract and everything comes out um, in a, I don't, I think I don't call it diarrhea because to me, or a loose stool, like what happens to me is violent. Like what happens to me is... <laughs> Sorry, that's not where I thought you were going. What happens, you took me by surprise there. It's, it's like, it's, it's like all of a sudden I'm, I, I'm like, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom. And I literally have to like run. So you are, you are specifically differentiating between regular diarrhea and explosive diarrhea. Is this, is this what we're saying? That's really vivid terminology. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to call it (laughs) everybody out. You said the word violent. I I mean, it, my, my mom also doesn't have a gallbladder and she and I have talked about it before and like urgent. It's, it's compelling. Compelling. It's it's an issue. We are having, uh, we are having fun with adjectives at the moment. Okay. So that's, (laughs) that's what happens if I like in some instances, what I'm explaining to you is that I need to add fiber slash carbohydrate in order to aid the digestive process. However, on the flip side of that, let's say I'm eating a lean raw veg salad and there's not a lot of fat and, um, it is a lot of, um, insoluble fiber in the form of, um, for example, some of the foods that bother me, um, uncooked cabbage or raw, basically raw cruciferous, cruciferous vegetables are the worst for me. Um, and it's taken me some time to realize that. And again, what I believe is happening is I don't have enough bile stored for that food to be properly digested and broken down if it's raw. If I eat cooked cabbage. It's like one of my favorite foods in the world and I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, And it's because the cooking process has started the digestion. And so my body is able to kind of jump into action without needing so much extra bile. So I think like my point with all of this, and I know where you're going to go with answering the question here, is that depending on the type of digestive disruption you might have or the health condition you might have, it's important to understand like why the cause of that is creating issues for you so that then you can anticipate um, what to do as a result. Like I know if um, I'm having coffee with cream for breakfast, I'm going to need to, or or butter coffee or coconut oil or like anything at all fat wise in my coffee. I can't be a normal person and just like have that as a morning start. Like I have to have that with some sort of carbohydrate because the fat will be too much in my system because I haven't digested food for 12 hours because I've been sleeping. Um, and on the flip side of that, I know that I cannot eat, uh, more than a few bites of like raw cruciferous vegetables because my body can't break it down properly. So it's just, it's not to say that either of those foods is a villain and working together, like fiber is important in the context of both of those scenarios. But, um, I, you just, you have to, you have to know what's up. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, no, I think that's a really good segue into what I wanted to talk about, about fiber. So, um, 
there's an entire symphony of hormones that control digestion. And certain hormones are stimulated by protein, some are stimulated by fat, some are stimulated by carbohydrates, some are stimulated by fiber. And basically, the way that you get the most efficient digestion, um, the most regulated digestion, um, and the best, most regulated satiety signals, so feeling full and energy balance, is by eating a balanced meal. So a meal that includes... Um, an animal protein, um, uh, vegetables that includes uh, starch, starchy, you know, carbohydrates as well as fiber, um, maybe some fruit. You know, we're talking about highly nutritious um, fiber and there's simpler sugars typically in fruit, but there's still a slow burn relative to like a refined um, carbohydrate that you would get in a, in a typical standard American diet food um, with some high quality fats. And, um, and that is a situation where you get this, like, you, you know, the symphony's in tune, right? In terms of all of these hormones. Now, also keep in mind that, uh, health history, stress levels, sleep levels, uh, mental health, you know, all of those things are also factors in how these hormones are being expressed. And so eating the perfect meal by itself is not necessarily enough. Uh, stress needs to be well managed. There can't be any of these pre-existing conditions. Gut microbiome needs to be in a good place. But um, one of the things that happens often with the paleo diet and often with the autoimmune protocol is this avoidance of starchy vegetables. And it's not built into paleo. It's not built into the AIP, but it is a way that many people um, will implement it, especially if they come from other alternative health um, diets prior to paleo or AIP that avoid starchy vegetables. So whether that's coming from a low-carb diet or coming from GAPS or SCD or coming from a Candida diet, um, there will often be less like pre-existing prejudice against starches. Um, but meanwhile, you know, the um, insoluble fiber from sort of non-starchy vegetables is really, really important for the gut microbiome. And it may be one of the most important corrective influences on the gut microbiome. But soluble fiber is important as well. Um, and soluble fiber helps slow down digestion, which means digestion can be more efficient. Um, it adds bulk to stool and it's highly fermentable. So it's a great also great food for certain types of bacteria in the large intestine. Um, and so starchy vegetables tend to be much higher in soluble fiber and lower in insoluble fiber and non-starchy vegetables tend to be the other way around. And so it's one of those like easy, like first thing to try after making sure that you don't have anything super bad with your doctor. Um, if you're experiencing loose stools um, and not, I'm, you know, if it's if it's something like what Stacy described, like the doctor time. Um, but if it's like, hey, I really want to be a, you know, four on the Bristol stool form scale and I'm a seven all the time or a six all the time was up. Um, this is this is the one of the easiest things to try is adding in more carbohydrates in that are whole food sources of carbohydrates, whole food sources of starch that have soluble fiber. And those are exactly the foods that Kathy has added. So she's added oatmeal, which is one of the highest soluble fiber um, foods in the food supply. Um, she's added rice, which is quite high in soluble fiber. And she's added potatoes, which is quite high in soluble fiber and also resistant starch. And resistant starch um, is technically an insoluble fiber, but it's one that's highly um, 
uh, highly fermentable by the gut microbiome and, uh, and probably something that we should do an entire show on at some point. But, um, but those are all fiber types that tend to slow down digestion and feed the gut microbiome really effectively. Um, and so those, that is one of those like diet, uh, influences of how this symphony of hormones is working and also one of these diet influences that really help support a healthy microbiome, which then also in itself is regulating um, digestion. And, um, and you know, yes, those foods might have aggravated SIBO had she had it. They might not have. Um, some people find that starches make them more bloated. Some people don't. Um, and certainly the idea behind some of the dietary interventions for SIBO is, is pretty, um, you know, it's based on starvation, but unfortunately what happens is you starve whatever's overgrowing and you starve all the good stuff too. And those types of intervention protocols tend to end in undergrowth, which tends to cause a whole host of secondary issues. So, um, so it's it's sort of one of those things where like it doesn't surprise me that adding more starches would help regulate digestion. Um, certainly, in in the situation of um, you know maybe somebody who's a, a little bit stressed, although Kathy didn't actually you know tell us about her stress level, um, but coming from from a place of you know, having multiple autoimmune diseases, um, you know, just that by itself is a stressful situation that by itself has, you know, immune function, which when your immune system's overactive, that also can influence how a lot of these hormones are signaling. Um, and so the added carbohydrates I can see being a real boon to that. What also I love that she mentioned is that they helped her mood and her sleep. So there's actually some really compelling science to show that um, a starchy carbohydrate, a serving of a decent sized serving of starchy carbohydrates with dinner, pretty significantly improves sleep quality, and um, and there there seems to be a, like a really strong correlation between starches and sleep quality, as well as um, a, a higher fiber diet and sleep quality in general. Um, and in fact, there's the, the science is so strong that part of the, um, go to bed challenge, which go to bed is my online sleep program. Um, and it includes a 14 day challenge, which is sort of like, it's a step-by-step you add one little thing each day. And one of the steps is having a serving of starchy, vegetable with dinner because the science is so compelling about that improving sleep quality. And when you improve sleep quality, you improve mood and you actually regulate digestion better. So when we're not sleeping enough, that can also impact gastric motility. Um, It can impact a whole pile of um, different aspects of immune function. So sleeping better helps regulate the immune system. Um, And, and generally I mean, sleeping better just helps everything. That's why I wrote a whole online program about it. Um, so I love that she kind of hit those things. Um, she hit like it was like the perfect question for talking points for me is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I think, too, that, you know, we've talked previously about the added benefits of carbohydrate in the diet. And I think this just allowed us to talk a little bit more about 
fiber versus insoluble fiber. We've talked before about the timing of those carbohydrates being important around um, heavy exercise or um, prior to bedtime as being something that positively improves um, results for a lot of people. So I think it's I think it's good that we kind of pulled all of that information together in one um, well thought out and detailed question. Um, but also because I think it applies to a lot of different people. And, and I think I also want to point out that while Sarah and I both run paleo websites and we are both on modified AIP, neither one of us freaked out that this person added food to their diet that is not quote unquote paleo. And <laughs> no. That's because we encourage very, very often for people to find what works for them. And, you know, Sarah's mentioned before her family eats rice. I've mentioned before our family consumes dairy and white rice. And, you know, occasionally, like, my boys will do corn, but I can't. Sarah can do corn, but she can't do dairy. Mm -hmm. Like, we we try to be honest and open with you about what works for us because we want everybody to be willing to try the things that exactly what happened here that you know she tried new things and it worked for her and she feels good and that's exactly what we want everybody and to do. I would I would actually add to that statement of you know finding what works for you is also about adding and not about subtracting. So um, now that doesn't mean that you you know discovering a food sensitivity isn't an important part of a health journey, but um, what's happening right now within paleo as paleo sort of absorbs some of these other alternative health communities is we're seeing people go on a stricter and stricter and stricter version of paleo, and whether they're cutting out food groups or they're cutting out macronutrients, um, they're getting more and more measured and regimented and um, and limited in their diet and generally that doesn't work out very well. Um, and so part of experimenting and figure out what works for you is like, that doesn't mean we don't do it. You know, we don't do some self experimentation to look for, for food sensitivities, but variety and nutrient density and, um, you know, balanced macronutrients. There's so much compelling science to show the importance of that. Um, which, you know, there's still there's still quite a large amount of variability that would fall under balance. But, um, you know, the the science supporting macronutrient extremes just isn't there. Um, and so I just kind of want to emphasize that finding finding what works for you. Part of that journey is actually ex it's expanding um, on dietary principles rather than continuing to restrict and right like finding that that little inner circle of the Venn diagram of seven different diets right like it's not that it's it's expanding and looking for for new foods beyond the template that work for you I think that's a perfect way to wrap that up drop the mic <laughs> again we want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening if you have not yet um, subscribed or left a review or told everyone that you know and love in your life about how awesome the paleo view is. <laughs> now is the time. That's totally. That's all I have. Now is, def now is definitely the time. Um, <laughs> and remember that you can always support us by shopping through um, the links and sidebars on our websites. And um, speaking of supporting, um, 
I think that we're going to have some upcoming projects. Got some great feedback from people about the live podcast that we had, um, that we aired while you and I were together on Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago that we then shared later. The video live thing was evidently something people are into. I told you so. um, We realize it's a different format from our regular podcast, but we're brainstorming some ideas on how we could potentially provide some extra content to all of you listeners who can't seem to get enough. Again, I don't understand why. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um... But we would just want to let you know we've heard your feedback and we're working it. Um, it's a thing. We're working on something cool is what we're saying. I've Every year I tell you that this is the time of year that's crazy for me in the office. So it's like a little bit difficult to think about anything else other than everything that's happening in my regular day job. So as soon as I kind of wrangle that monster, I think we've got um, some projects that we need to follow up on together. But um, Absolutely. I feel like I had one more thing to say but it's totally do you love all of our listeners all of you, them every single, you want to thank every them single for one of the seven yep <laughs> i think there's eight now oh i remember it was super important i'm so glad i remembered are you ready i'm ready are you sure you're hunkered down i mean is this gonna blow my mind like the twins with one having celiac disease happy fifth year we just started our fifth year together what? Mm-hmm. Oh, that did blow my mind. <laughs> uh, holy smokes. Yeah. We've been doing this for four years. Yeah. So we are, I mean, like, you know, if you count that first year as one instead of zero, like we're, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we've started our fifth year. Yeah. Uh, which means that in two weeks I have my five year paleo anniversary. It's going to happen. Well, there's kind of a time warp situation with the podcast, so I'm not exactly sure. Oh, yeah. No, by the time... You're probably having... Your I'm probably about to have it any moment now. <laughs> well, congratulations, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's my five-year paleo anniversary. Um, slash working on our fifth year of the podcast. You know, we can't stop now. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, listeners. Thank you, everyone who's listened to four plus years of podcasts. And uh, hope we can keep them interesting so you keep wanting to come back. Just keep talking about poop, man. I know. Everybody wants to love it when we talk about poop. I mean, there's some other discomfort topics. I think mostly because they're like in the privacy of their own home or their car and they get to hear us talk about poop. Like if, if I chose one of those people and I was like, come on the show and tell me about your poops. Like, what do you call a violent diarrhea? (laughs) I don't think that they would be so excited about that. Um, I don't know. I actually (laughs) think that there's at least four out of our seven listeners who would be like, yeah, I want to tell you about my poop. I'll take the paleo view poop challenge. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Do not send us pictures of your poop, folks. No! We want we've to already, see them. We've already said that, but we can't say it Just <laughs> emphasizing. Uh, well, happy beginning of our fifth year. Happy um, anniversary to you. Thank you. And... Thank you to all of you listeners who have hung around for quite some time with us. We will be back next week because we can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Thanks for listening. 
thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I almost hit the video button by mistake. Stop it. You know that we're going to plan that if and when (laughs) it happens. I'm just saying. I was like, wait, which button do I press? This one? I I have a fact that I cannot wait to share with you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay. So I was having breakfast with a friend the other day. And this friend told me that they know a pair of identical twins. And one of the identical twins has celiac disease. And the other does not. How is that possible? Because genetics is only one third of your risk factor for autoimmune disease. But... Wouldn't they be like, um, wouldn't it be in the, uh, really only one third? Yeah. The other two thirds is environment. <sighs> you're not, Exposure, your infections. Not, you're not, your mind is not blown by this the way my mind was blown by this. Sorry. <sighs> I mean, you did write the book on autoimmune disease. I'm just saying a little bit. Um, but wah. what it means is that like, wah, whatever wah. the, whatever the trigger was, like one of them experienced it and the other one didn't yeah i would be really frustrated if i had an identical twin and they did not have my health problems (laughs) yeah a little bit a little bad enough when it's like a regular sibling let alone an identical twin right yeah drew the short straw on that one all right. Well, I was all excited that I was going to like get you to geek out and we were going to postulate it. And you're like, yeah, it does, Stacey. Uh, sorry. It's okay. Should we? He could just do an entire blooper reel of poop sounds. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what, that's not the poop sound I make. That's, it sounded a little bit like a goat. <laughs> Someone somewhere yeah. makes that noise, but it's not me. <laughs> I'm just saying... It's not the most familiar poop sound to me. It sounded a little bit more like a goat. <laughs> but, I mean, goats poop, so I guess it works. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.